you don't mind. All right, uh, this is where we were the last time. A chapter in Jesus' life. So, let's pray. So, Lord, we thank you that we can meet to study your word this morning. We pray that your spirit will guide my words, that first and foremost, they will bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that there will be a blessing to everyone that is here. I just ask that, Father, you will direct, guide, and help us to honor you and your son. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, I believe it was July 9 that I started this. And it was Luke chapter 7. And... There were four events or four incidents that happened there, and we dealt with one of them, July 9. So, this is what we are going to deal with today. So, I will like to read Soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. This continues with that, which I won't read because I'm not talking about it today. I would love to, but I'm looking at time and I don't want to keep you too long. And then it continues with that, which I won't read. But you should read Luke chapter 7 to catch the entire all right. This is a song of, that I was taught as a child back home. And more about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. So, more about Jesus let me learn. More of his holy will discern, spirit of God my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. More about Jesus in the word, holding communion with my Lord, hearing his voice in every line, making each faithful saying mine. More about Jesus on his throne, riches in glory all his own. More of his kingdom sure increase. More of his coming Prince of Peace. More, more 
about Jesus. More of his saving fullness. More of his love who died for me. All right. Uh, sometimes I have to get myself excited about preaching. That's why I put these questions so that you can respond and then I can begin to calm down, calm down, say email, calm down, calm down. All right. This is a question for you because I encourage you to study the Gospel of Luke and I've assumed that you've been digging in. So how many only child did Jesus restore or healed or resurrect in the Gospel of Luke? Notice only child. How many? She says two. Any other? Huh? I will say three. Uh, what? Uh, no, you don't have to include Jesus. Um, did Jesus restore? So that's why. Now, name the three only child, daughter, son. Uh, only child, I put in quote because it could be only daughter, only son. That Jesus restored in the Gospel of Luke. Restored by restored, he either healed them or he brought them back to life. What's that? The boy with the seizure, that's correct. Jerry's son, that's uh, Jerry's uh, daughter. Yeah, that's correct, yeah? And the one we just finished reading. Yeah. It all happened. And they were only daughter, only child, or only son. Which means, in some sense, they were very special to their parents. And in two of those cases, they are not even named. The names of the parents are not given because they were ordinary people. And Jesus is interested in ordinary, everyday people. So what is resurrection? Just tell me what it is. It's, it's not a trick question, you know, it's like, it's like it's trying to trick us. No, it's just normal question, nothing. What's that? When somebody comes back to life. Uh, yeah. Okay, just rising from dead, that's all it is. It wasn't meant to be a trick question. <laughs> Sometimes, and what are the two types of resurrection in the Bible. There are two types of resurrection in the Bible. Oh, let me, let me. Uh, <laughs> it's not wrong. It's not wrong, but that's not what I had in mind. <laughs> yes, it is, it is right, because whenever, whenever somebody is born into the world, it's bound to live forever. Uh, okay, so that's what I had in mind. I had that. Physical and spiritual. 
Yeah. So when the physical body resurrects or comes back to life, it becomes sensitive to physical things. And when the spiritual, the spiritual body comes back to life, the person becomes sensitive to spiritual things, eternal life. So those are the two I had in mind, but you are not wrong. Okay. Jesus performed some physical resurrections in the Bible. I believe I've asked this question before. What are they? I'm sure it might be more, but the ones that are recorded. Sorry? Lazarus came back to life. This one that we just read. Oh, boy, yeah. I didn't have that one, but it's right. It's right. It's right. Oh, for once, I'm very wrong today. <laughs> all right. And then all the people that came back to life when Jesus rose from the dead. But what I had in mind was the ones he was physically present. What's that? What's that? When he died. When he died, when he died, the, the grave was, the, the tomb was uh, uh, split and then they came out. But they came out after his resurrection. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> they came out after his resurrection. Okay. How do we know that a dead person is raised or resurrected from physical death. How do we know? It has to show evidence. There has to be something, you know, like when my mom died, and some of you don't know this, but you might find it either funny or just scared. When my mom died, I wanted to perform resurrection. So, I spoke to my dad, and I said, this cannot happen. You know, the grief is very real. So, so, I said, you have to bring her home so that I can pray and the Lord will perform resurrection. But my dad was a little bit, a lot more wiser than I am. He said, let's go to where she is so that you can perform your resurrection. And they did take me there. And that was when I realized how helpless or incapable I was because I still believed, oh, after all night prayer, nothing is impossible, so we will do it. And then I saw death, and then I realized, hmm, I am very limited and very incapable. So, so when we are reading this story today, you shouldn't assume that it's a normal event that the boy is coming back to life. It is not normal for you to raise anybody from the dead. So I wanted to perform that. So I've had that experience and I realized when people die, it's a painful thing because you touch them. They don't respond. You speak to them. They don't respond. And there's... You're almost helpless, and there's nothing you can do. And that's where Jesus comes in. 
<sighs> All right. So how many people born into the world are spiritually dead? Everyone. Thank you. Everyone. What's that? That there's what? Sorry? Three that were not born into sin. Jesus, Adam, and Eve. He's right. <laughs> He's right. Yes, Jesus, Adam, and Eve were not born into sin. Uh, so, but, but they were not. Uh, Adam, was, Adam was formed. Yeah. <laughs> no, technically, technically, Jesus was born into the world without sin. So, and technically, Eve and Adam were formed without sin. Yes. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, um, it's right. Everyone except Jesus, Adam, and Eve. How about that? Okay, good. How can a spiritually dead person become spiritually alive? That's where we are going. Through what? Holy Spirit. It is that simple. By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. No baptism, no church going, no sacrament, nothing of that is needed. Read that verse with me. I tell you the truth, Jesus speaks. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Eternal life comes only by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. He impacts the life of God into you. He gives you the spiritual life that you need. You don't need to do anything other than believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to emphasize that. That's how we get spiritual life or eternal life. Not by works or any other things that we do. And these words are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as he spoke to the Pharisees and the scribes. Strong words. Okay? Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sin. But they've already passed from death into life. And then 4 John 5, 11 to 12 add this. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. That's why we emphasize the need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust him as your savior. Okay. So, when a sinner is resurrected or raised to spiritual life, his outlook in life will change. His appetite will change. His speech, his walk, all of those things will change. 
just like those guys that were resurrected. You know, the young boy sat down and began to speak. So there will be evidence that you have the life of God in you. Okay, let's move on. So that's where we were. We did that the last time. Today we are here. A distraught woman with a dead son. As far as we know, there was no request made, but Jesus had compassion on her, and Jesus performed a greater miracle, which is physical resurrection. We will get here sometimes in the future when we're talking about John the Baptist, um, which he sent two of his disciples because he was in prison and said, tell Jesus to do something. And Jesus declared him to be the greatest person. And then the last one will be, a sinful woman demonstrates faith in Jesus Christ for spiritual healing. We'll talk more about this. So Jesus and the widow of Nain. That's where we are this morning. Hopefully you will get a few things from the message. I was told by the guys at the back there, if you want them to see you, don't come here. You have to stay around here. So when you see me going that way, say, you should do like this. Say, all right. Okay. Uh, let's read this again. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. And a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. So, the woman here was a widow. We know that means her husband had died. We also know something about it. She lived in Nain, a place, a village called Nain. I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe, as I said, this is the only time Nain is mentioned in the scriptures. So a village called Nain, which is about 25 miles away from Capernaum, and Capernaum was the base where Jesus was. Okay? She had one son, and her only son died. He probably died on that day, because in the Jewish tradition, you bury the dead person on the same day. So the child probably died on that day. And she was crying, wailing, mourning, and all of that. She was on the way to the cemetery to bury her son. She had a large crowd with her. No record. We have no record that she solicited Jesus' help or asked for help. Jairus asked, 
Lazarus, Mary, and Martha asked, but this woman didn't ask. We have no record, at least in the scriptures. And we also have no record, at least written, that Jesus had ever raised somebody from the dead up to that moment. So we don't have that record of that in the scriptures. So, the Lord Jesus, the compassionate and sympathetic Son of God, initiated this journey from Capernaum to Nain. Like I said, it's about 25 miles, and he traveled with a large crowd as well. So it's likely that they arrived at the gates, village gate. You know, they didn't have buses, they didn't have train, they didn't have plane. They walked or wagon or stuff like that. But it's likely arrived at noon and saw the funeral procession as he approached the village gate and saw the widow overflow with compassion towards her and told her not to cry. He walked over and touched the coffin and the bearer stopped and he spoke to the dead young man. He spoke to the dead young man. He said, young man, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. So, gave the young boy back to his mother. So, at the gates, or at the entrance there, there was some special, what I call special meetings. What I would term special meetings. There were two crowds, if you read carefully. There were two sufferers, or people that, uh, one was a potential man, because Jesus steadfastly set his eyes to Jerusalem. That's what Luke says. And then there were two only sons, and there were two enemies. There could be more, but we'll stick with those. Two crowds. So let's read again. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. So Jesus went to the village, and a large crowd followed him. And the young man who had died was being carried out, and a large crowd followed. Two crowds. Okay? So spiritually speaking, every one of us is in either of one of these crowds. We are either following the Lord, or we are going the other way towards what I would call cemetery and possibly on our way to hell. Everyone. Everyone is either following the Lord or following towards a dead end. And so the question is, which crowd are you in? Do you trust the Lord Jesus Christ and you are following him? Or are you on the other side? heading towards cemetery and hell. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. It says, he that has the son 
has life. And whoever does not have the son is condemned already. And this is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So, my plead to every one of us this morning is that we need to be following the Lord. We need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior from our sins and trust him. And so that we can head with him towards heaven so that we don't go the other way. And that's why that verse comes up again. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. So, trust Jesus Christ and be raised from spiritual death. I wanted to sing, but I, I gave my message to, 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 to my editor and my wife, and she said, you have too many songs. You should be preaching instead of singing. So, next point. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Okay. And they were also, let's read again. Soon afterwards, two sufferers met at Nain's gate. Soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart was overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. So the Lord Jesus Christ, as I said before, we have no record in the scripture that he was asked to come and perform this miracle. In fact, we have no record that the woman even exhibited faith. All we know is that Jesus took the initiative to leave Capernaum to name with this woman in mind. And as he arrived in this town, he saw her coming. You know, he saw her coming and he looked at her tears. He looked at her pain. He could feel the pain. And he decided to tell her, woman, don't cry. And then he identified with her headache or heartache, so to speak. The widow was left alone. Her only child is, was gone and her husband was gone. And Jesus stepped into the situation. He felt the pain that results from sin and death. Now I want to encourage you that this was a nameless individual. But it was not unknown to the Lord Jesus Christ. You might think nobody knows you. Nobody knows your pain. Nobody knows your suffering. Nobody knows what you are going through. But you are not unknown to the Lord Jesus Christ. He identifies with your headache and with your pain. 
and we are suffering. I mean, we read this in Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's go to him and get grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. But you also have to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ himself was titled or tagged man of sorrows. In fact, if you read in earlier chapter in, uh, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke, when he was in Nazareth and then he started preaching, you know, he said, well, I can't perform much, much miracles here. And the people got upset and they wanted to throw him out. His brothers even made fun of him. And we can't even talk about what happened at the cross where everybody seemed to be having fun mocking him. So he, as a person, was also a potential sufferer. So notwithstanding the fact that I was told not to sing, I thought this song would be a good one to sing. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God. So standing as you are able, let's sing together, Man of sorrows, Lamb of God. I'm on now. Oh, okay. All right. Next. Two enemies also met. Jesus and death. First Corinthians chapter 16 describes death as the last enemy. So two enemies met. And um, the Lord Jesus Christ proved that he is the great conqueror of death. I like to say this, and I like to say it uh, clearly. There are so many voices that are very rational, very intelligent, very eloquent. And there are other voices that are very rich and wealthy. And other ones are very strong and powerful. Others even claim God has spoken to them and you should follow them. But when death shows up, they all respond like every other person. They die. They all need somebody to conquer death for them. Jesus is the only conqueror of death. It's unique in that sense. He gives us victory over death. And that's why he that has the son has life. Because he's the author and the source of life, both physical and spiritual.
And that's my appeal to everyone here. Make sure that you have the sun. Because if you don't have the sun, right now you are spiritually dead. And when you die, you are on your way following the other crowd to the cemetery and possibly to hell. Make sure you have the sun. So the Lord Jesus is the great conqueror of death. He spoke and the boy came back to life. As I told you, I spoke when my mom died. Somehow, some people don't know the background. I was in school and I was informed that my mom had, in fact, they didn't even inform me that she had died. They informed me that my grandmother had died. So I should come down. It was when I got back home that I realized, oh, it's my mom. The plan was to finish school and then I will look after my mom. The plan wasn't to encounter death, so she has to come back. So I spoke. Nothing happened. But when Jesus spoke and told this woman, don't cry, he turned to the boy and said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead heard his voice and life came back. He is the great conqueror of death. And so he is unique in that way. Not only that, we read this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 to 58, Paul writes and says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. The we there is believers. Not everybody. The we there is believers. Those that have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up. In victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Sorry, where is, oh, death, where is your sting? For the sin is the sting that results in death, and the Lord gives sin his power, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it exalts believer, it says, therefore, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And then we have one more verse here. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who has the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of death. He died to destroy the power of death. I think we will sing. Death was arrested. He was arrested on that day. It was arrested on the day you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was arrested on the day that Jesus Christ resurrected. 
So death was arrested. And we probably will end here because I'm conscious of the children. You know, so death was arrested. So we will pray and then we will sing and we'll be done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And we just pray that you help us to realize that Jesus is the author of life. And when we have him, we have life. Help us to look to him because he cares. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.